I, uh, I hope that you all had a fantastic uh, Christmas. Uh, my family and I very much did. Um, before I get into uh, the meat of the sermon, uh, are there any Star Wars fans in the room? Anybody? Yeah, you're my people, all right? <clears throat> so I'm not going to give any spoilers in case you haven't seen the new movie. Uh, but one thing that I love about Star Wars specifically is uh, this battle that's going on all the time uh, with the Jedi. The Jedi are the good guys. They're the peacekeepers of the galaxy. And they use what's called the Force. It, it, it's what binds all living things together. And so they use the Force. And the Force, there is a light side and a dark side. All right? The ones who use the light side are Jedi. They're the good guys. The ones who use the dark side of the Force are Sith. They're the bad guys. And so what can, what can uh, be a common thought is that, well, the whole point of Star Wars is the Jedi versus the Sith, and they're trying to defeat the Sith and kill the Sith. But that's not actually the main plot. The main plot, if you watch all the Star Wars movies, is this battle that's going on within the Jedis, the balance of the light and the dark. They're trying to overcome the dark side and stay with the light. It is this inner battle that, sh- that they struggle with throughout all of the movies. And it's so, it's so beautiful to watch because we can relate to that. We can relate to there being this inner battle within us all the time. Guys, we are at war. This is not a war of, with soldiers and with horses and, and cavalry and that. No, it's a war that's going on in the spiritual realm constantly. And we're fighting in it. We're fighting in this war. To give you an example, for those of you who are married in the room, you see this battle occur when we get into conflict with our spouse. There are times where we would choose to argue to win rather than seek reconciliation. When we look at the things that God has given us as a gift, we tend to want to abuse these things. Alcohol, possessions, there's this inner battle that's fighting within us all of the time. We can become greedy with this. These battles do not always come from our negligence. Some are outside of our control completely. When you lose a job because of budget cuts. When you get a bad health diagnosis that you weren't expecting. These come in, create chaos in our lives, and cause us to be at battle. But these are things that are out of our control. There's a word that's used here in Micah chapter 5 that is associated with battle. And that's the word peace. Peace. Peace is not just being free from battle. As a matter of fact, peace is a state of harmony and tranquility. In Isaiah 57, Isaiah says that peace is in fact a heavenly rest that the wicked will never have. This morning you may be singing here and you do not have peace. You're in here this morning and you're tired because you've been fighting. You have fought tooth and nail 
to try to come out on top, to try and get through, and you don't have any peace. Some of you have just entered into a battle, and you've and you're, and you're got a broad burst of energy, and you're ready to take it on. Some of you have been in the trenches for years, waiting for that peace. Well, this brings us to Micah chapter 5. Micah was a contemporary, uh, a prophet of Isaiah and Hosea. And they were prophets uh, to Judah during the Assyrian raid. Micah specifically had a disdain for kings and for prophets of Judah because of how incorrectly they were leading the people of Israel. In chapter 3 of the book of Micah, he absolutely lets them have it. He goes off on them. He's tired of them leading the people away from God, how the, the rulers are leading them in the wrong direction. The, the, the prophets are not shepherding them in the correct way. Micah has had enough. Which makes the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 so profound. He says in verse 1, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Micah is preparing for the attack from Assyria that occurs in 701 B.C. King Hezekiah is reigning as king over Judah right now. Now Hezekiah is a good king. But his father, King Ahaz, was not a good king. So he is coming off them being under poor leadership. Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria, wanted to take over Judah. We see the narrative of this entire story in 2 Kings chapter 18. When he came in, Hezekiah was begging him, please leave, leave us alone. So Sennacherib said, well, if you pay me a nice ransom, I'll leave. So Hezekiah began to pay, all right, well, I'll give you my treasures, I'll give you what I have. And then he also went into the temple took gold off of the doorposts of the temple to pay Sennacherib. But Sennacherib didn't leave because now he realized Judah has a lot of money. So now I'm going to stay and I'm going to impend my will on these people. So what he did is he sent a man, an official, to go speak to the people of Judah. And he came out in front of all the people, stood in front of all of them. Hezekiah was begging them to leave. And this man came out and stood out, and he said, Listen, my king, Sennacherib, he has taken over many places. And those places have had gods that they worshipped. And none of their gods saved them. Your God is no different. Sennacherib will come, he will take over, and you will be his. That's what he said to all the people of Judah. One of the commentaries that I came across last week says this, the Assyrian official viewed all gods alike. The proof of their capability was in their power to deliver their people. This they had not done, neither the gods of the Arameans or those of Jerusalem's sister, Samaria. The implication was clear. Yahweh, like other gods, had not been able to stalk Sennacherib previously, nor could he now. That was their view. 
We'll come back to this part of the story in just a minute. I have two truths for us this morning that come out of Micah uh, chapter 5. Truth number one is that Jesus brings peace as king. Jesus brings peace as king. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Micah's tone shifts here. Away from prepare for battle to, I'm going to tell you about this prophecy of this one who is to come. And he's going to come from Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a tiny city. There were many other towns that were called Bethlehem. And that is why he uses the ancient name for Bethlehem, which is Ephrathah. To be specific, this is the town that I'm speaking of. This town was so small, it was, seemed insignificant. If you had a top ten list of, of towns in this region, it would not make the list. The one thing that Bethlehem had going for it was that David was from this town. But that's pretty much it. It's kind of like being from Old Fort. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. When y'all leave the state and you all go somewhere else and you meet someone who's not familiar with North Carolina, you don't tell them you're from Old Fort. You tell them you're from right outside of where? Asheville, right? Because they know whereabouts where Asheville is. Okay, so Bethlehem is like Old Fort. Now we do have B.G. Gillum, so, you know, that was for you, buddy. All right, so, but this is a big deal. This is a big deal. We see similarities with, with this prophecy of Jesus, of that looking back to David. Samuel, who was a prophet back then, wanted a king like David to come after Saul. Micah knew a, better, a king better than David would come and take the place of Israel's feckless leadership. Feckless means useless. You can take that word with you. I learned that word last week. He wanted this king to come because of the lack of leadership they had seen. He wanted this better king to come. They were going to be filled with hope. The coming of Jesus was from, from Bethlehem was as unlikely as God choosing David among his seemingly capable brothers. Luke 2, 11 through 14, I'm sure you've heard this passage plenty this week. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This was meant to give people hope. Someone's coming. A king. Better than any king you've ever seen. Any king in Israel's history, he's coming. There's a bright future for the people of Israel in spite of their terrible circumstances. There was a future hope. For those of you who have a marriage that's on the rocks, 
For those of you who are sitting in this room and you've lost your identity, please know this. Satan wants your marriage to fail. He wants you to be lost with no identity whatsoever. He wants you to be hopeless. Like the people of Judah would be hopeless right here. But the works of evil have no power over you because of Jesus. Because of his work on the cross. This king would not be raised up on a throne, but he would be raised on a cross, taking our sin, taking our shame on the cross, taking a punishment that we deserved. A king who had laid down his life for his people, defeating the powers of darkness that had once controlled us, would no longer have any control over us anymore. That was Jesus. He was the future hope that was to come. He was the king. He said this ruler would come from ancient times. This was foretold. Long ago, this was foretold. He would come from humble beginnings to oppose the proud. That's how God worked. As a ruler, he would bring his people back together as a sign of his royalty. But then we we see here, therefore he shall give them up until the woman gives birth. This is referring to the 400 years of silence that God was going to give the people of Israel before the coming of Jesus. You may think, wow, that's a long time. But for the Israelites, it would be hope that this pain wouldn't last forever. Someone was coming. God was faithful to keep his promise. Now, I've already mentioned Star Wars. So I realize now that I'm up here that my three main illustrations are all movies. So raise your hand if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. All right, there's less, less enthusiasm than there was about Star Wars, but I'll forgive that. All right, so in, in the Lord of the Rings, you have Gondor, who was, who was the, uh, the, main, the main hub for all of mankind, and that's where the king was to reign. But for 976 years, there was no king who reigned in Gondor. The line had been broken, and there was a steward who was sitting in his place. But during this time, there was unrest. There was war. Evil raged across the land. But then you have this character, Aragorn, who was the rightful king. In the last of the series, The Return of the King, he returns as king. And when he does, he summons an army that is capable of defeating the powers of darkness. And when Frodo went to destroy the ring, there was peace in the land. This king had come, and he had brought peace. Aragorn, as written by J.R.R. Tolkien, was a symbol of Jesus, who would come sit on the throne and bring peace, defeating the powers of darkness. The difference between these two characters is that Jesus was the one himself who defeated the powers of darkness, laying down his own life for us. That's Jesus. The Israelites had to wait nearly 400 years. But it's not so with us. No. Jesus for us is not a ruler to come. He is a ruler who is. Amen? 
Mark 16, 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. On a macro level, Jesus is leading and he is restoring. As Solomon was the wisest king that Israel had ever seen, Jesus was destined to be wiser. As many kings did what was evil in the sight of God, Jesus served only to do God's will. As David was the greatest king in Israel's history, Jesus was destined to be even greater. There was a physical peace that Jesus was to bring. I realize many of you in this room have physical unrest because of different circumstances that are out of your control. And you don't have peace. And you've prayed, God, take this from me. God has proven in the past that he can. He can take situations away. He can take circumstances away. He absolutely can. Many of you are in this room right now and you can reflect on a time where he delivered you away from something. He pulled the circumstance away from you and gave you actual peace. And we thank God for those moments. But for you who are in the middle of a battle right now, because he can does not always mean that he will. He doesn't always take the circumstance away. And this brings us to truth number two. Jesus brings peace as shepherd. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. He's continuing this prophecy, Micah, here. He's saying that not only is he going to come and rule as king, but he is also going to be shepherd. This parallels with David, who was also a shepherd. His authority was given in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of his name. And what does he say here? They shall dwell secure. Rest on that. They shall dwell secure. They had security. There was peace within their dwelling place. The circumstance could be out of their control. There could be a battle raging, but there was peace in their dwelling place. Despite their situation, they could be secure in him, their shepherd. How do we know this? Go read Psalm 23. For though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for who? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The tools that you use to shepherd me, they comfort me. Because when the walls are too high, when I can't see past what's happening, 
I can look to your staff and know that you are with me. Therefore, I shall dwell secure. Because no matter where I am, there you are. He can bring physical peace, but he can also bring spiritual peace. Micah, of course, had disdain for Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, taking what he wanted, flaunting his power, trying to make his name great. And Micah says here, For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. For my king, my shepherd king is going to be great to the ends of the earth. There's not an amount of land that Sennacherib could take over. He'll never be greater than this one that's to come, Jesus. Which is what Philippians 2 says. Paul says in Philippians 2, Therefore God has highly exalted him, given him the name that is above every name, so that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be no name greater than his. This authority has been given to him by God, and he will shepherd, give spiritual peace to those whom he shepherds. And his name will be great. And he shall be their peace. Some of you this morning are not looking for physical peace, but actually for spiritual peace. Your heart has been at war. Your heart is overwhelmed. You're wondering why God hasn't brought you peace in the middle of this. Why hasn't he delivered you from this? Maybe it's that you have a child who's wandered from the faith. Wondering if they would return. Or it could be your marriage is on the rocks. And you have no hope. No peace. That he will deliver you. And if you fight this fight alone, you will never find peace. You won't. Why? Because we are earthly beings fighting a heavenly battle. We can't even see our attackers. Therefore, we alone do not stand a chance. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against foes that we cannot see. You need the good shepherd to come and defend you and fight on your behalf. As one who is in his fold, it is his nature to come and defend his flock. So we pray for peace, for strength, for perseverance. Continuing down this verse. When the Syrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its, at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. So Micah switches tone here. He's no longer prophesying about Jesus. Now he's talking about Assyria. So he, he, he stops looking forward. He's looking now. He's looking, this is what's going to happen now. We're going to raise up seven shepherds and eight princes. These are not exact numbers. This is symbolic to to say that we have enough to defend. We will have enough. And I love the imagery that is used in this passage. Micah is so brilliant how he says this. 
He says, Assyria, at the very beginning, Assyria struck Israel on the cheek with a rod. A rod being a shepherd's tool. But then here at the end, he says, but Israel shall shepherd Assyria with the sword. You don't shepherd with a sword. I love this imagery that he's saying it's going to come to a battle. This is what's going to have to happen. But the reality is, is that one day when he is great over all the earth, the sword being God's word will rule over this land. To bring you to the end of what happened in this story, after Sennacherib takes over, Hezekiah begins to pray. He says, listen, God, Assyria has oppressed your people. They have mocked you. They have flaunted everything they have. They say that you're not going to defend us. And he says, what are you going to do? If you go read 2 Kings chapter 19, you begin to see what happens. God finally speaks. And he speaks to Isaiah. This is one of those moments, all right? So raise your hand if you like the princess bride. There we go, there we go, okay. This is one of those moments in the movies where the hero comes in at the end unexpectedly to save the day, giving chill bumps down your spine. And so I use the princess bride because it's like when Wesley has been paralyzed. The man can't stand up. Prince Humperdinck has Buttercup trapped and he comes to save her and he's laying on that bed and Humperdinck comes in there and says, you can't even move. And he stands up and holds his sword up and said, drop your sword. Y'all got chills. That moment is like what's about to happen. God is finally going to speak. And Sennacherib is not going to like what he has to say. And he speaks through Isaiah. And in 2 Kings 19, 33 through 34, it's actually much longer, but I shortened it down to this. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night he sent an angel down and he struck down 185 thousand Assyrians. The next day, Sennacherib left. God spoke, and he delivered his people. God showed his power and his love, and he brought them peace. There was peace knowing that the shepherd king would come to defend his people, because he is the only one who is great enough to win this battle. There is no one who stands in equality with him. No one. We can take heart because our shepherd king is ruling and reigning at this very moment. What are we to fear? There are times where we get so worried about things that are out of his control. But they are not. There's nothing too great for him. He gives physical peace. He gives spiritual peace. But as we also see, 
from Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's coming. It's coming. For while we are weary and tired from the battles, the war that rages on here, We have hope that there is a place that Jesus went before us to prepare for us. A place where physical ailments will no longer have any reign over you. Where interrelational dysfunction will not be there. There'll be no more tears, there'll be no more crying. Sounds an awful lot like peace. Heaven is a place of peace. Jesus can give us physical peace here. He can give us spiritual peace. He's also going to give us a heavenly peace with him forever. That when we get there, he will be there. There will be no sun, no moon. He will be the lot himself. We will worship him. We will sing to him. We will have perfect fellowship with each other. We will enjoy it. There will be no more war. There will be no more powers of evil knocking at our door. We'll have peace. That's how our shepherd king will rule. We have hope. In the midst of your situation right now, take hope. Our shepherd king brings peace. Let's pray. God, you are so good. We praise you for your love. We praise you for this time that we get to come together and worship you, hear from your word that you've provided. God, I praise you for the story of deliverance of Judah how you defended your flock, you defended your people. But that also in the midst of all this, you revealed to to so many prophets the coming of the shepherd king who would come, who would one day rule over all of the earth, over all of creation. But he's not so high above us that he doesn't know what we're dealing with. That he would also be a shepherd. That he would walk right in front of us, leading us. For in times of trial and times of heartache, he's right there. Lord, I pray for the people in this room who are either going through a difficult situation, 
or who have been in the trenches who have been fighting this battle alone, trying to find peace, trying to win. God, I ask you give them the power, the strength, the courage to lay down their arms for you. Allow you to fight the battle that we can all win. For those of you who are in this room, God, I ask if they don't know you, that today would be the day that you sent your Holy Spirit to come to penetrate their hearts, to transform them into a new creation so that they would know you, that they can know your peace. Lord, we love you. Forgive us when we fail you. In your name we pray. Amen.